Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. What's going on, Venture? Thanks for joining us online again today. Hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. You might have guessed it. Today, we're talking about thankfulness. Initially, when I started writing this message, I kind of rolled my eyes and thought like, oh man, is this just one of those things that you have to do? Do we have to talk about thankfulness on Thanksgiving weekend? I'm genuinely excited for what the Bible has in store for us this weekend. So just to kind of set the course before us, uh, you're not going to learn anything new today. This message is going to be a little bit like the Thanksgiving meal, where I would imagine you probably had turkey, some mashed potatoes, a green bean dish that didn't get finished, and then you washed it all down with a healthy slice of pumpkin pie, or at least I hope you did. And In the same way, uh, we're not changing up the tradition very much. We're going to be looking at thankfulness, reasons why we have to be thankful, and then how we can take that thankfulness that first goes to God and then give it to those around us. If you have your Bible, if you wouldn't mind joining me in Luke chapter number 17, Luke 17, we're going to be reading a story that illustrates thankfulness. It starts here in verse 11. Uh, Read along with me. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has none returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Would you pray with me? Dear God, uh, thank you for the abundance that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things, Lord, good food, family, friends, and just a chance to slow down and enjoy all of that this weekend. God, I pray that you would help us to see from this story, Lord, a reason that we all have to be thankful. And God, would you foster within us just a thankful heart, Lord, that that gives praise to you for all that you've done, but then also is spread around to those around us. Pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> In this passage, what I want us to see is that there is a reason for each and every one of us to be thankful. As we get started, here's what I want us to realize. We're not going to be focusing, uh, as we go through this passage, on physical healing. Sure, this story is absolutely about Jesus healing 10 lepers, and it's a physical healing. And honestly, uh, I believe that Jesus still heals today. Man, growing up, it was just one of those stories that was influential in the back of my mind. Uh, I was probably first or second grade at the time, and there was a, there was a guy in our church uh, who had a tumor on his neck, 
and he was kind of close family friend as well. And remember him, you know, being sick and going to the treatments. I was young, so I don't know exactly what the diagnosis was. But I remember coming back uh, from church one day and and YY Poon was his name saying like, hey, I don't have the cancer or I don't have the tumor anymore. Uh, and he said, all, all we did was had the elders anoint me with oil, prayed over me, and now it's documented in my medical file. It's a miracle. No more tumor. And so that story has just always stuck with me, even since I was a young kid. And I knew that, like, man, God still heals today. And if you're interested in this topic and you're thinking, like, man, uh, how do all of these things work out? I would recommend uh, Craig Keener's book for you, Miracles Today. Craig Keener actually wrote two large volumes on miracles in the New Testament and why we still should think that those miracles happen today. Fascinating study. Recommend that if you're interested in miracles, you could go through that. But we're not talking about physical healing today. And the reason we're not talking about physical healing is because for reasons that I don't fully understand, God doesn't heal everybody. Right now in the high school ministry, there's two students who have parents who are struggling with cancer. And, and I pray for them. I pray for a miraculous healing for their parents. But I'm not sure that, I'm not exactly sure how God's going to work in each of those circumstances. If our thankfulness is tied to physical healing, that means sometimes we will have reasons to rejoice and to praise God. Other times it might leave us hanging where we don't have those reasons to rejoice, to be thankful, to praise God. But the reason that we have, but the reason that we have for everyone to be thankful, it doesn't have to do with physical healing. So today here's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on salvation. Yes, in this passage, what Jesus does is heals 10 people with leprosy. But in this healing, what we have is a picture of God's forgiveness of our sins. As the lepers walk away with skin cleansed, healed from all of their, their sores and, and the disease that's attacked uh, their nervous system. Man, as fingers are restored, as feet are restored, as people are able to open up their hands and gain functionality again, what we have as a picture for us is a picture of the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> Dr. Vern, <laughs> Dr. Vern Poitras, uh, who is a distinguished professor of New Testament biblical interpretation, that's a mouthful, at Westminster Theological Seminary, says this, as he's talking about miracles. He says the miracles dealt with people being saved from physical ills, or in other cases, they depicted being delivered from demonic power. Both of these deliverances were real in themselves, but here's what I want us to realize. They also signified the whole structure of salvation as a whole. Jesus didn't come to simply accomplish something temporal in the lives of individuals, but to bring lasting and permanent salvation. This salvation includes centrally deliverance from spiritual de death, deliverance from sin, guilt, the power of the kingdom of Satan. This deliverance that Jesus brings to us climactically through his suffering, death, and resurrection brings to us the promise of of deliverance from sin and condemnation and one day resurrection to life everlasting. What we have as Jesus goes performing these miracles is a picture 
a picture of salvation, a picture of what Jesus doesn't just do for 10 uh, lepers somewhere in Judea, but something that he does for all people in all places. So with that lens, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back through the story and let's just understand, man, what is the salvation that Jesus is offering to us? A couple things that I want you guys to pick up on. First, I want you guys to notice the shame and separation. Shame and separation. There in verse 12, we see the lepers, they're standing at a distance. As Jesus comes into town, they're not right there with the crowd. They're not mingling in with the group. They're not uh, rubbing shoulders with the disciples. They're off at a distance. In Leviticus 13, there's actually prescriptions that are handed down from the Bible for what to do when somebody contracts leprosy. And part of the prescriptions was that this person was to be put outside of the camp, that they were to be a foreigner, that they were to be somebody who's not allowed to come in and enter into familial life, not allowed to enter into civic life or even into worship. And if somebody was coming too close to a leper, what Leviticus tells them to do is to cover their mouth and to say, unclean, unclean. We see that this is still a prescription that was observed to the to Jesus's day, where the lepers were shamed. They were separated. They had to go, they had to figure out life on their own. And shame and separation was a part of that. <clears throat> Dr. John MacArthur, uh, in teaching through this passage, tells us a little bit about leprosy. That helps us to understand just, man, how difficult of a disease it was. He says that this severe type of leprosy is caused by a type of bacteria. This type of bacteria affects the nerve cells in our skin. And initially it develops in areas of the skin that are cool to the touch. And so in our ears or in our nose or in our uh, eyelashes, our eyebrows, just the extremities, the elbows would be a place where initial infection uh, would come off first. And as the disease progresses, it anesthetizes the nervous system, so you can't feel what's going on in your skin. As the, as the disease progresses, uh, it's not uncommon for people to lose all feeling in their hands, in their feet, in their bodies. As I said, the disease frequently starts in the face, and what will happen is that uh, people will have an eyebrow that disappears. A nose will get infected, and, and in some cases, a nose will actually fall off. And in this extreme disease, there is suffering and shame that goes along with what's going on. This isn't a disease that we're super familiar with because it is a bacterial disease that's caused uh, from just unsanitary living conditions. It's not something that we're familiar with, but in Jesus's day, this was something that was feared, that was common, that, that, that Jesus comes up again and again in his ministry. But what I want us to see as we're talking about salvation is that leprosy is actually a picture of sin. In Isaiah chapter 64, here's how Isaiah describes us. He says, we have all become like one who's unclean. Remember what the leper had to cry out as they were, if anybody was coming too close to them, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. And here Isaiah is making the association. He's saying, hey, in perspective of how God views us, we have all become like one who is unclean. And then he goes on, he says, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. In that passage where uh, 
where Moses is talking about the prescriptions for those with leprosy in Leviticus 13 and 14, there are actually specific instructions about their clothes, where if you were, if you were uh, diagnosed as somebody who had leprosy, the clothes that you had on were then permanently unclean. If you were, if you were able to get free of the disease, those clothes that you had would have to be set apart and they would have to be burned because they were forever unclean. And that's what, that's what Isaiah compares us to. He says, even your righteous deeds, even the good things that we do, they're like a polluted garment. The old King James says, it's like a filthy rag. As we're looking at this story, we are the lepers. Our situation is the same as theirs. Just like they carried a burden of sin and shame and that separation. So we are separated from God. Again, in Isaiah, the prophet says, behold, the Lord's hands not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Makes it clear that, that our plight, our problem, that there's a shame that's on our shoulders. There's a separation that we all face from God. And, and here's, here's what I want to chat about real quick. In our world, where acceptance is the highest of all virtues, it's really hard for us to talk about sin. Where sin is just a topic that's under-discussed, that we're under-informed on it. And, it. and it's almost just like, hey, let's keep, this things, let's keep these things out of sight, out of mind. This isn't something that we want to chat about. But until we understand our sin, we have no need for the gospel. And I see this so often in high school ministry where you can come and, and you can have uh, an amazing presentation of the gospel. And high schoolers will just be sitting in their seats, you know, kind of slouched down, just thinking like, I could care less about this. And the reason that we don't care about the gospel, that the good news isn't good news for us is because we don't know our condition. We don't know that we're sick. We don't know that we are in need of a healer. We're in need of deliverance. We're in need of the gospel. That we need Jesus to do something for us that we can't do on our own. And so to start to understand the gospel, we, we can't start with us as perfectly righteous human beings who don't really need divine help. In order to understand the beauty of the gospel, we have to understand our sins first. We have to understand this association as Jesus looked at the lepers, like we are those people in this story. As we like look for ourselves in the story of the 10 lepers, we are the lepers. And it's not a skin disease that's bothering us. And it's our sin condition. Even Jesus himself, as he begins his ministry, he begins with addressing sin. In Mark chapter one, this is the first message that Mark records for us. He says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. But notice what he says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. What Jesus starts with before he gets into this kingdom of God, the gospel that he's come to exemplify, the gospel that he's come to provide, what he starts with is, hey, you have to understand your need first. Repent of your sins. Sin is a prerequisite for us understanding our need for God. Here's what John Stott says. No man has ever appreciated the gospel until the law has first revealed him to himself. 
It is only against the inky blackness of the night sky that the stars begin to appear. And it's only against the dark background of sin and judgment that the gospel light shines forth. It's only against the dark background of sin and judgment that the gospel shines forth. We even see this uh, in Jesus's teaching ministry. In Luke chapter number 10, it talks about the two men who went up to the temple to pray. And you're probably familiar with this story. The Pharisee stands, uh, this Pharisee stands over against the tax collector and he stands by himself and prays, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people. And he's boasting in his accomplishments. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But here's the main character that Jesus wants us to pay attention to. But the tax collector stood at a distance he realized that there was a separation, that, that how he was did not allow him to come close to God. He would not even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's Jesus's promise is that as we understand our sin, that just like, just like the tax collector, that this man went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Charles Spurgeon says something similar as he's talking about our need for understanding sin. He says, it is not possible that we have, that we have been pardoned if we have refused to acknowledge our guilt. A clear sense of our lost estate is absolutely necessary to make us even seek for pardon. The problem is it's so difficult to see sin in ourselves, right? But that's a starting point. Until we realize that we're sick, that we have this disease, that we need a healer. There's, there, there's, there's no coming to Jesus. There's no realizing our need until we start with a starting point of sin. The lepers realized that they were, they were under a curse that had some shame on it. They realized that they were separated from the, the crowd. As we realize that we're separated, we move into the next part of the story. What we see is that there's a request and there's a response. The request that the lepers have is, have mercy on us. And I love how simple it is. The lepers just cry out, have mercy on us. And, and with that simple request, God, Jesus, could you do something about our condition? Jesus responds and he just says, hey, go show yourself to the high priest. And there's uh, a second response here that I want us to see is that at that point, the lepers kind of had to have a response as well. They had to respond to say like, okay, I'm still leprous, but Jesus told me to go do something. Am I going to do what Jesus tells me to do? And in the story, they do. They respond to Jesus's response and they say, okay, I'm going to go for it. And they start walking away. We don't know how far it is, but they head their way. But I want us to realize this request and response, man, this is how salvation works. This is how we are freed from our sin. This is how we can experience the freedom that Jesus came to provide for us. I love the verse, Romans 10, 13. We went over it last week with Tim. Tim says, or 
Paul says, this wasn't Tim, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love, uh, I love sharing the gospel with little kids because you just get to like radically simplify uh, what, like, what salvation is. And, and as I do that, I love using this verse, just saying, hey, here's, here's how salvation works. This Christian idea of becoming right with God. It works when everyone who wants it calls on the name of the Lord. And when that proclamation, when that request is made, saying, Jesus, save me, here's God's promise to us. They will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The last part of the story, which is kind of the climax, is that they're cleansed. The Bible doesn't say how far they've gone, but as they are going, they're cleansed. I, I, I could imagine seeing the scene where uh, Hezekiah looks over to Benjamin and ben, Hezekiah says to Benjamin, Benjamin, you have both of your eyebrows now. He's like, whoa, I do have both of my eyebrows. He's like, Hezekiah, you have all of your fingers. And you actually have all of your toes as well. Uh, leprosy has a tendency of making your little claw hands. And so I could imagine them like looking at their hands again and saying like, man, I have functioning hands. I have feet and I can actually feel the ground that I'm walking on. And they realize that their skin diseased is healed. They're cleansed. A miraculous healing has taken place in their life. I, I love that word cleansed. It's actually used uh, later on in the Bible in 1 John. In 1 John, uh, the disciple who was there with Jesus used the same word cleansed to talk about us and our sins. He says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. And then the famous verse, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus gives us a promise. That yes, there were only 10 lepers who were cleansed that day. But that wasn't his primary work that he came to earth to do. The primary work that Jesus came to earth to do was to bring a salvation to all. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was his mission. And he says, hey, you want cleansing? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What does that forgiveness look like? It's cleansing us from all of our unrighteousness. The 10 lepers were cleansed. <clears throat> I, I love taking the miracle stories in the Bible and kind of looking at them, not, not just for the miracles that they were, those, those are amazing. But, but looking at like the significance and understanding the salvation that God's provided for us, I love doing it. But just to be honest with you, it's really easy to get, uh, just to, to lose our, our wonder over salvation. As I, was, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, you know what, like, it's true. Salvation is amazing. And I love teaching about it. I love, I love uh, like meditating on it and realizing that's what God's done for me. But to be honest, 
if somebody was walking around and, and had leprosy, leprosy still exists today. Preparing for this message, I watched a documentary about how in certain areas of the world, leprosy is, is still an issue that's ongoing and there's treatments, but there's still people who are severely disfigured uh, from leprosy. I, I just said, uh, I was thinking, if I actually saw somebody like with their clawed hands from, from the disease of leprosy and uh, missing a couple of toes and walking around with a limp and the skin generally changes colors either to like a, a scaly white or like a lifeless gray. And if I saw somebody walking around with leprosy and out of nowhere they were healed, I would lose my mind. Like I would instantaneously whip out my phone and try to catch like a little bit of the transformation. Be like, I want you guys to see this. Like I saw a miracle happen. Leprosy went to cleansed flesh. I would want to share that with everybody. But what is it that's broken within us? As we are so excited about physical heal healing, that, uh, that when we look at this salvation, we're not equally excited. Like, what is it about us that the temporal cleansing of like physical needs is, is so miraculous? But when, when Jesus promises us eternal life, cleansed from all of our sins, forgiven of all of our wrongdoings, we just think like, eh, yeah, I've heard that before. Man, I, I just hope that this weekend, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that we realize we have something to celebrate, that we are cleansed. And not because of anything we did, because we cried out, God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the story's not done, of course. As the 10 were walking and they realized that they were healed, one of them stops where he's at and realizes, yes, Jesus told us to go to the priest, but if there's somebody who is standing in between God and man, I, I think Jesus is the high priest that I need to return to. And so he makes about face and he starts going back to where Jesus was. And he comes back to Jesus. He falls down on the near his feet and praises God. And Jesus just gives this question. He's like, weren't there 10 healed? Where are the other nine? How come there's only one here that returned to say thanks, to give praise to God? And so as we look at salvation, I want to exhort us, man, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Not necessarily in the physical healing. That's not our focus for this weekend. But in this aspect of salvation, that Jesus has healed us. So, so often it's easy to say, like, oh yeah, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful but not express that thankfulness. Uh, I love Andy Stanley. In one of his messages, he says, unexpressed thankfulness is useless. And I think he's right. Man, as we feel thankful, especially for God's good gift of salvation, let's express that thanks. Let's say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done to me. And then here's the last thing that I, that I wanna uh, talk through with us, is that as we are thankful to God, Man, we should allow that thankfulness to spread out to those around us. One of my favorite moments in all of high school ministry uh, came from one of our senior nights. Um, there was this particular senior who was, he was a lot. The first week David came to youth group, he had like this, uh, like dyed uh, mohawk that went all the way down his head. 
and I didn't know this kid from anywhere. And he just comes up behind me and gives me a bear. I was like, wow, I'm so glad I'm here. Like, I'm glad you're here too, buddy. Like, who are you? Like, do you, do, do we know each other? Like, why are you grabbing me from behind? Um, after a couple of years, David and I uh, established a good relationship. I grew to know David and to love David. But David just had a rough background. His parents were in jail. Uh, he's living with grandma. He had some developmental issues that just made it made his life rather difficult. And uh, as we came to the end of his senior year, we had like an open mic night where all of the seniors had the opportunity to just take five minutes to share what God has done in their life over the last four years of high school ministry. And just as a, as a pastor, that is, those are nights that I look forward to and celebrate, except for when somebody like David comes up to the microphone. And if you know anybody that's just kind of like wild and crazy and you hand them a mic and you just think like, oh no, <laughs> what's going to happen in this context? Uh, David grabs the mic and sure enough, he lives up to his reputation. He kind of rambles for a little bit and it says some uncomfortable and awkward things. And everybody's kind of thinking like, oh man, is this going to get worse? Uh, but it rounds a corner and David in that context, uh, taught me one of the most important lessons that any high school student has ever taught me. Here's, here's what David said. Uh, David said, I started coming to youth group a couple years ago. Uh, and as I came to youth group, I realized that there were a group of people that loved me. And through their love, I realized that Jesus loved me. And if Jesus loves me, then I can love myself. And there's no one in the world that I can't love as well. Uh, I wasn't there in person at that night. I was listening to it and recording on the way home. And honest, uh, I started crying when David said that. Just because he got it. He realized that, man, the church is a place of love. And, and not because like uh, we're loving for, for no reason, but we're loving in order to show the love of Jesus to other people. And David realized that as Jesus loves him, he's able to love himself. And as he loves himself, he's able to share that love with those around him. I want us to do that same thing with thankfulness this weekend. That man, as, as we are thankful for all of the good things that Jesus has done for us, would our hearts overflow with thankfulness, not only to God, but also to those around us? Would you... Would you frequently share those two words that are so powerful? Thank you. Thank you. As, as we wrap up, one of the most important thank yous that I've ever been able to share uh, was a few years back as my mom was battling with cancer. My mom was sick at the time and uh, our family, we have really good relationships. Uh, and what I mean by that is we all really love each other, but we are terrible communicators. I mean, just honest to goodness, like we're never the people who are calling each other. We're not really invested in each other's lives, uh, mostly because we live all over the all over the world, really. Dad and mom at that time were living in Taiwan. I was in California. Brother was in Florida. My other brother was in Japan. So we were just all over the place. But I took the time to write mom a note. I just want to read that note for you guys uh, this weekend. Dear mom, 
Do you remember back when I was a senior in high school applying to colleges? When it was time to submit my essays for my applications, I remember more than one night of you staying up until 2 a.m. to help me get them just right. When I think of my childhood, is that kind of self-sacrificing service is what I remember the most. Even when you were working full time, you're going to school, you're helping a church, you always showed your love for us kids by making our lunches, helping with our homework, and taking us on adventures. You really were an extraordinarily adventurous mom. What other mom would put two kids on the back of her bike and cart them around Fairview Park, going to the park and going to the park and shop and walking around the pond? What other mom would take her family up to Landtown Mountain to spend a month camping out each summer? Especially now that I have my own kids, I realize how stressful camping can be. And I realize how hard it must have been for you to do what you did and to do it alone many of the times. And when I think that you didn't just take us up to Lantau, but you were also the camp chef and would take us swimming other day, what other, what other mom would ever do, what, what other mom would even dream of doing what you did? Not only did you feed my adventurous soul, you also showed me a passion for telling others about Jesus, especially children. I remember the neighborhood Bible classes you hosted while we were in Fairview in Yunlong. You had me and Anthony, or you had me and Mindy ride our bikes around, inviting our friends over to the house for a mini VBS. You start with creation and teach all the way through the resurrection while Anthony translated. Even though it was in our house, I think I remember you having organized, organized snacks, games, and crafts. On Oaks Drive, you did another Bible club. Through Heritage, you ran a great vacation Bible school. I remember doing puppets for the skits and being so frustrated at you, Mom. You were such a perfectionist, insisting on us doing it well, which is harder than I thought it would be. I think that your insistence on having quality programs for kids is part of what makes me good at what I do now. <clears throat> you loved us kids, Mom, and you modeled a love for children and for Jesus. And I just want to say thank you. I pray that the knowledge of my love and God's love will sink down deep and fill this day and the rest of your days with happiness. Your loving son, who is so thankful for all that you've done, Charles. It's about a year and a half after that, my mom uh, passed away. And uh, it, it was, uh, it was her time. We all got a chance to say goodbye. But honestly, as I look back, I just, I'm thankful that there was the occasion to say a significant thank you. And so this weekend, as there's so much good happening, would you, would you not worry about finding the best deals with shopping? Would you not worry about getting your house just right or making sure you get that football game? But would you make the most of this weekend by saying a significant thank you? First off to Jesus for saving us. But as that thankfulness like wells up inside of us, as we are so thankful for what God has done for us, would that spread out to the people that are around us? Would we be thankful? Let's pray. Dear God, help us to be thankful people. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.